Welcome back to Kingdom 101, and we're going to continue with our teaching on the disciples' prayer. And this evening, the title is Provision for the Mission. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we are camping at this segment on prayer. And we're seeing this called not just the Lord's Prayer. Personally, I like to see it as the disciples' prayer. Once again, because Jesus taught His disciples, in this manner you shall pray. Right? So the Lord would pray this, but as His disciples, I personally believe that it is still relevant for our time and our day. The question is, do we understand what this prayer is about? So I know this is familiar. We've been doing this for the past sessions. Will you join me? Let's pray this prayer together once more. The words are there, so we pray the same version. But let's pray it with an understanding, at least for the first couple of lines which we've gone through. But let's pray this from our heart as we petition the Lord with this. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We've gone through the first couple of verses and we have seen God as a loving father. God is also a big God, an awesome God, a, a holy God. God, our heavenly Father, this is the one that we are petitioning. He's got all power, He's got all authority, He is sovereign, He's in control. But as we come to Him, we realize it is about His kingdom. Amen? And we spend quite a bit of time unpacking this idea of what kingdom really is when we pray, Your kingdom come. Now, if you miss this, then really go listen to that teaching that there are many views of what this kingdom really means. And even as the kingdom has arrived or come close to us, we realize there's also a coming kingdom which we call the millennial kingdom. Now, is it literal? Is it symbolic? These are things that we went through so that when we say your kingdom come, we, we, we at least know where we stand in our position and know what we are asking. Now, if there's a kingdom, then there is a purpose, there's a kingdom agenda. We call that God's will. What does God want to do? How does He execute His will? So far, it's all been about God. It's been all about His kingdom. It's been all about His will. And now, as we get into the second part of this prayer, we see this word, us. Oh, it's about us right now. <laughs> give, give us, you know, forgive our, our debts, lead us, not in, deliver us, you know. So does it mean that we can now finally ask about things for us? My wants, my needs, my desires, my plans, and so on. I want to suggest to you, yes, God does care for us. God does love us. And these little details are definitely significant and important to Him and most definitely to us. But... I still think it is still very much about God's agenda and how we align with His much larger plan. And so when we come into this line this evening in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, if I look at it just by itself, it's of course just asking for a provision, right? It's asking for my food. It's asking for a daily sustenance. 
But if we look at it from a kingdom perspective, and that's what we're going to do this evening, we will realize that there can be a much bigger picture that we can learn from, and that it gives us a context that each time we look at this, we understand what it really means. Let's look at a military picture. You know, military leaders are taught to lead their soldiers with this kind of principle. They have these three words, mission, direction, and support. And so military leaders, they have been told that if you want to lead the soldiers, this is what you need to do. You must tell them their mission. Tell them exactly what the objectives are, what these assignments are all about, what their tasks would be. And then you don't just give them a task and leave them hanging in midair and they don't know how to do it. You have to give them direction. You have to guide them. You have to give them the strategy, the big picture, and then show them what the plans would be. Now, that sounds good so far, right? There's a mission and there's direction. But it doesn't end there. There's a third component that is absolutely critical. It's called support. And in support, it means that as you send them out on their mission, as you direct them in how to do these things, you've got to give them resources. You must give resources to them, otherwise they are not able to fulfill that assignment or complete that task. Now, if you turn it the other way around, as ground commanders, they have been taught the same way also, except that as they receive these instructions, they have been taught to ask. They've been taught to ask. They'll go back to a higher command. They'll go back to this higher officer or this bigger authority, and they will clarify, okay, so if this is my mission, if this is my task, and this is how I need to do this, then I, want, I need resources to accomplish it. They are given full uh, permission to, to ex- assess that assignment, look at the direction, and come back boldly to request, to petition. Does it make sense? Okay? Now, when they go back and they ask for resources, it's the resources that they need to fulfill the mission. They don't go back and say, "Uh, Sir, can I have an air conditioner in my bunk? You know, Sir, can I have sushi for dinner instead? They don't ask these things, right? They ask according to the mission, according to what is needed for the assignment. And they are well aware that not every request will be granted. The commanding officer or the higher authority will will assess it and whatever is needed is given and along the way more may be requested and can either be given or can be declined. Now when we look at this and we say, okay, now I think it's giving it a little bit more shape. And I think it in the same way when we request, Lord, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give me my resources. Give me my daily provision because you're sending me out as your soldier. You're sending me out as your troop. I've I just prayed, your kingdom come. Your will be done. How? Through me. I, I will execute it. Right? You know, I, I am your kingdom agent. I am your ambassador. And the king says, okay, fine. This is what I need you to do. Now, I want you to go do it. Now, we can come back and then say, Lord, you provide for me. I need provision for the mission. When we begin to see this, then we realize it's not just about survival, you know. I mean, don't you think God knows you need to survive? I mean, it's quite obvious, right? Huh? That is the lowest criterion, if you want me to look at that. God knows we need it. 
the Bible says, even before you, you ask anything, God already knows whatever you need. But we go back and we petition because we realize we are falling in line with the kingdom agenda and God needs to look after us so that we can fulfill these functions well. I just told you David has been in the basic military training for the last um, two weeks and he's coming out tomorrow. I don't think he really have to worry every day whether he got food to eat. Am I correct? He wakes up, you know, he trains and he's got breakfast and before you know it, they'll, they'll feed them lunch and, and, and dinner and, and whether you're hungry or not, they'll give them a nice snack. See, the provisions are given for the mission. That's what it is. And we have a king who loves us and we have a kingdom agenda that we are to align with. Do you think God will give us what we ask for? I believe so. I believe so. Our problem perhaps is we ask amiss. Now that sounds familiar, right? James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now I'm not saying God doesn't want to give us better things. Later we'll unpack that. But if we're only asking for me, more, no, that's not the principle. God knows how to give us more. When we pray this prayer, we need to hold on to the words of Jesus where He tells His disciples, look, a worker is worthy of his wages. A worker is worthy of his food. If you align with me and my kingdom agenda, you ask for what you need, it will be given to you. Amen. It's provision for the mission. I want to start with this because if you get this concept right, then the way you ask will be okay. We're going to unpack this entire line and we're going to go word by word. Word by word. Let's start with the very first word called give. As we come to the Lord and we say give, this one word reveals our heart of reliance and of gratitude. We don't come with an entitlement mentality. We come realizing that we do rely on God, that He looks after us and as we receive that, we are grateful. So that very first word indicates even a posture of our hearts. Firstly, we acknowledge that everything we have, everything that we have comes from God. Everything. That's the first thing. Secondly, as we ask and we rely on God, then this guards against our own pride and our own self-sufficiency. Because we're all very prone to that. In the beginning, we can ask, and after a while, you know, when we have more already, we think our own hands have gotten us this kind of either wealth or well-being or something like that. That's why Moses warned the people of Israel. He said, when you get into that land, you better remember this, okay? 40 years God sustained you. When you get in, you're going into places that you didn't build. All these things, you are receiving it by God's grace. And he says, just in case you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. If you acknowledge that all things come from God, and that guards you from pride and self-sufficiency, I can tell you, it will result in a thankful and a grateful heart. And this would be the very first point we hold clearly within our own hearts and our own posture and our own attitudes. We're asking God, Lord, give it to us, Lord. 
give it to us because we need it and we know that we rely on you and we are thankful. When, you re- when, when we receive it, we are thankful. That's the first point. First word called give. Now we get a little bit deeper and we say, look at this day and daily. This day and daily. Now, I don't think Jesus just pulled this out of the hat. Obviously, there is a parallel that we can learn from. This day and daily. And you, you, you just think back, in the Old Testament, there was an example of God providing on a daily basis. I call that kingdom training in the wilderness. You realize that before they got into the wilderness, they were slaves. Now, as slaves, they also didn't have to think very much. Right? They had all the food to eat. You know, they just don't, don't, don't have to plan even anything. They just work very hard at the crack of the whip. But suddenly they come out, they're wondering, now where are we going to get this food now? Right? Who is going to be the one that's feeding us? And so almost immediately after coming out from Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, they started to complain. And so God rained bread from heaven. You can read this in Exodus chapter 16. God says, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people will go out and gather a certain quarter every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So God gives a provision on a daily basis. And I believe this is what Jesus was alluding to. Say, Look, can you remember this? Can you remember this? God provided for your fathers on a daily basis. And when it came to the sixth day, because the seventh day they were not supposed to go out and gather and work, God gave a double provision. Now here is His, his instruction. You go out and you gather an omer, one for each family. That's it. Don't get it more. Okay, don't, don't, don't hoard, don't heap up because it will spoil. That was his instruction. And that's why he says, that I may test them. That I may test them. Think about this. The provision that you and I receive, whether you think it's not enough or oh, just nice only, the Lord uses it to test us. Whether we will obey Him, whether we will trust Him, whether we will walk in His ways or not. It's a test of obedience. Very simple. It is a question again of reliance. It is a question again of security. Do you really believe that when you pray, give us this day my daily bread, that God will give you the daily bread? Or will you hoard? Will your eyes be on God or will your eyes be on your security bonds? or your insurance system, or your bank account. God gives us what we need to reveal what is really in our hearts. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is what it is. You, you pray, give us this day our daily bread, because there is already a biblical precedent. At the same time, it also reveals relationship and a constant communication. Because I think in those times, it was really day by day. You know, today, you and I would probably pray, give us this month our monthly salary. Right? And then after it gyro into the account, (laughs) thank you, God, (laughs) bye. Then you wait for the next 26 days or something, give us this month our daily salary. 
Or maybe you don't even have to pray anymore because you know it's going to gyro. You see the point? So there's no more daily communication, you see? There's no more constant running to the Lord to really trust the Lord. I remember this because in my own journey, running a business, I drew a salary. And I can tell you when I say, I have faith in God, when the salary came in without me having to think too much, eh, it's a very different, you know, from after when, I, when the Lord said, please step out. And I said, okay. And I was preparing to step out. And I will never tire of sharing this story because it reminds me of God's faithfulness and it gives Him glory. And I was trying to be a responsible husband and a father. And the financial planners will also uh, affirm my doing this. They always tell you, look at your savings and then look at your monthly expenditure, divide it and see how many months it will last. And that would show you how liquid you are, you know, how, how long you can sustain. And that was exactly what I did. To me, it was the most responsible thing for a man to do. All men say, amen, and the women too, right? But after I did that, I realized it was the most stupid thing that I did. Because when I divided, the figure wasn't very big. And my knees went weak, and I started really to tremble in fear. I can remember that day so clearly. And all I could do was let out a whimper, not even a cry to the Lord, a whimper. I said, I had no one line to pray. All I, all I could whimper was, oh God. I was so scared, really. And I realized that to say I live by faith and have a salary come in each month is really different from saying, I trust you, God, not knowing when the next dollar is going to come in. And the Lord was gracious and He answered with this one line, Have I not shown you I am faithful? And I remember arguing with God. I said, I don't like it when you ask me this question. I know the answer is yes. And yet the Lord asked one more time, Have I not shown you I am faithful? And I realized what God was really getting at. He was hitting right there, pointing at my heart. Will you trust me now, here, right now? Or will you only trust me when your savings run out, wherever that might be? And I knew I had to make a decision of faith at that, at that point. I'm not saying that the next day my, my money is just going to drain out, you know, that's not the point. But, you know, humanly, that's what we think of, right? We think of so many options and so many scenarios. And I realized what God was asking, so I said to the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, I trust you now. Not when my savings would run out. And I say this to the glory of God, that that was in the year 2003. And today we continue to walk trusting in our God's faithfulness. Because when you get onto a mission with God, He gives you provision for the mission. A lot of things were going all right. I'm not saying that I never had my doubts. Because when I first stepped out, it was four children. And then number five came. And when Serene was pregnant with number six, it suddenly dawned upon me that the children were growing older and, and number six was on its way. And suddenly I started to think, oh dear, 
uh, my car is too small. How are they going to fit in? How, this house is not going to be enough. Uh, what if they eat so much? How am I going to put them through school? I'm, don't laugh at me. Don't you think of all these questions? Right? I, I think of all these things and suddenly the, the, the voice of God very quietly just said, one day at a time. One day at a time. And I kind of explain this, okay? You know, we talk about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It just calmed me that very instant. And I say, yes, Lord, I agree with you. One day at a time. And that's how we've been living. And that's why after that, soon after, I launched my own blog site, entitling it One Day at a Time to remind myself You can plan all you want, but you still need to live one day at a time. And if you are walking on God's mission and moving on to His assignment, can I encourage you, my brother and my sister, God will give you provision for the mission. Amen? Right? And this is how it has been. And we... We want to trust God's word. We want to trust His faithfulness. Remember the Bible says that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so sometimes it's very easy when God provides the bread that God gives, you know, symbolically, whether it's cash or, or physical bread. When God gives that bread, our eyes can focus on the bread and we trust that bread. But God is saying, look, don't trust the bread Trust the one who gives the bread, the one who speaks it into being for you. Trust His word. Trust His faithfulness. That if He says it, He will definitely keep His word. That if you align with Him, He is a God who loves us and He is a God who will direct us and He will provide for us. See, this is kingdom training in the wilderness for Israel. And you and I, you and I will go through our own training sessions. You and I will go through those times and those periods of doubt. But Israel went through it. It was supposed to be like second nature for them. 40 years of one day at a time. Every day they woke up, there would be manna. Every day they woke up, there would be manna. On the seventh day, don't have. But in their, in, in their homes or in their tents, there will be manna. You see? And they had to do it until it's, it's, it's second nature for what? Because God knew, when I bring you into the land, second nature, this is how it is. You just trust me completely because when we get in, that's where the real work starts. That's where the real work starts. 40 years was BMT. But once we cross into the land, you trust me. You know the story. Israel took the eyes off God. <laughs> Israel was tested over and over again, and they were not obedient. Israel had a mission and an assignment to be God's kingdom of priests, right? To proclaim the name of Yahweh. They missed the mission. And that's why they missed after that the provision. Did you realize? Famine came into the land. Enemies came in, ransacked them. The story goes over and over and over again. God says, you, you learn. But your eyes would not be on the provision. Your eye will be on the mission in that sense, trusting me, and I will bring the provision. When you serve God, and you're looking for provision for the mission, you must also ask yourself, do you have a contractual mentality with God? 
or do you have a covenantal mentality with God? Let me ask that very carefully, yeah? Do you have a contractual mentality with God? Because we can look at this title and say, yeah, quite contractual, right? God, if I do mission, uh, you provide provision. Okay, let's strike a deal now. You promise, huh? I do this, you will do that. Now that's contractual, huh? Sounds a little bit like covenantal because it's also like a little promise. But you remember the story or the parable that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 20? Where there were laborers in the vineyard. And in the early morning, these guys go out and the, the, the master of the vineyard came out and said, Okay, I, I want to hire workers. And they say, Okay, fine. One denarii and we'll work for you. So, okay, fine. All right, no problem. And so they go. But as we go on, you realize right at the end, right, the, in, the, in the final hour, he also brought in those workers. And then later on, when it came to payment time, he paid those who worked only for a short while. That's exactly the same amount as those who worked the entire day. And those in the, in the early morning was like, Wait, not fair, eh? I mean, we worked so hard, we worked so long, and then you, 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 you. And then the story was very simple, right? The master said, why, why are you angry with me? If this is my money, if I'm generous, what's your problem? And I was reading over and over again, I realized something. The workers in the beginning agreed on a contract. They agreed. If I do this, you give me one denarii. That's it. One day's pay. I'll get it. The workers at the end didn't have to worry about it. They didn't even ask for that one denarii. They said, we'll do it. They just went in, not even knowing how much they would be paid. I want you to catch this. Huh? And so sometimes when we tell God, I need $10, God says, okay, $10. And then someone comes along the line, he gets 100 huh? He's like, hey, God, how come you got 100 I only got 10 God says, well, you only asked for 10 Oh, then I ask for a hundred. Then God gives you a hundred. The other guy gets a thousand. Hey, how come that guy got a thousand? Then I'm going to ask for a thousand. That's not the point. The point is the other guy knows his covenant with the Lord. And when you talk contract, it's about terms. Covenant has terms, but covenant is based on trust. You see the difference here? And so when we work with God and we work for God, I never work contract. I'm not God's contract worker. I'm, I'm God's son. I'm God's servant. That's and I trust this master so well that he's benevolent, that he's generous. He knows exactly what I need and more. And even if he's give me only like little bit, he has his reasons why he wants to do that. I've got something to learn from it because I trust him. Amen. Sometimes people look at us when we walk by faith and they say, wow, you've got no income. Huh? I say, God, I just don't know when it's coming. <laughs> Isn't that true? He said, then where, the, where do you get your income? I said, I don't know. I said, you see, the difference between you and I is that you know it gets gyroed on the 26th or 27th, right? If your HR remembers. <laughs> I don't know when it comes. He said, then how you live? He said, then I need to trust my HR, my heavenly resource. That's the difference, right? right? You contract, they say, okay, fine, I sign, I will earn X thousand dollars. Well, you get X thousand dollars. I didn't sign. Ma. So I trust God. Sometimes I get less, sometimes I get more. I'm freelance. It's not about terms, friends. It's about trust. 
It's about the relationship you have with this God. And if you know that He loves you, He's your heavenly Father, that He's gracious, that He's generous, do you trust Him? Do you really believe that? Then if so, pray boldly. Give us this day our daily bread. (laughs) And leave it at that. Show me the mission, O Lord. I will be on that assignment. It's your problem to bring the provision. And I trust you. And I trust you. The next word is about bread. And bread talks about simplicity and contentment. And let's realize that Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, not give us this day our daily bonus. Right? I mean, we've all received bonus at some point of our career, I hope, I believe. You don't receive bonus every month, right? Right? Even if they want to be as kind to you, it's half a year, a review, and, and they give you a little bit variable wage or something like that. No? Bonuses are not an entitlement. You know, today in our employment contracts, we work in a bonus. Actually, it's your salary divided by more, more than 12 months, that's all. And you think it's a bonus, it makes you feel good, it's psycholog- psychological. Jesus didn't say, give us this day our daily bonus. Bonuses are always a privilege, it's always a reward for things that we have done over and above what has been expected. And I, I stand here as a living testimony. I, I know so many who have been in the work of the ministry will say this, our God knows how to give bonuses. Really, He knows how to give bonuses. You leave Him to decide when and how much. You know, I tell you, I don't know when I get my income, right? I mean, something can be a little bit scary. And sometimes you, you can feel like it's always running a little bit dry. <laughs> then you pray, give us a little bit, give us a little bit. But God knows when He gives bonuses. But you see, if you, don't, you don't want to see Him as an employer, and I don't tend to see Him as one as an employer. I love to see Him as my Father here. Because Dad knows how to give gifts. How do you like that, right? See, when Daddy gets out there and he buys the gifts and he, he, he comes with a surprise. And we have received those surprises every now and then, but I don't expect it every day. If it's every day, then it's like I'm expecting it. It becomes an entitlement. It's like, Daddy, today how come no surprise? I'm surprised that there's no surprise. <laughs> Cannot be, right? But as a daddy, my children know daily bread is there. They don't have to even worry about anything. We are the ones who are more concerned whether they have things to eat. Our Father knows how to give gifts. And it's always nice when I get surprised by God. I tell you, nothing replaces that feeling. It's like, yes, God, thank you. Thank you. You knew exactly how much. You knew exactly when. See, when you begin to take it for granted, when you take it as an entitlement, it's very soon you get disappointed, you get frustrated, you get angry, you get upset because someone else got more than you. Then you say, God, you play favoritism. See the problem? 
That's why it starts with the first word, give. You see, the, the reliance, the gratitude. You trust God. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, not cheesecake. You realize that the daily manna that came, that was daily. That was taken, yes. Now, in the morning was manna, in the evening was quail. Now, the quail didn't continue all the time, you know. You read it at a, at, with a cursory glance, you tend to think, oh, morning manna, evening quail. Morning manna, evening quail. Now, that was Exodus. I think that was basic military training phase, uh, uh, acclimatization phase in the wilderness. And they had manna and quail. By the time they reached Numbers chapter 11, that's some time already, huh? oh man, they were upset. They were upset with Moses and with Aaron. And they wrote in a petition, and they logged in, and they, they keyed it in. Come on, man, Moses. It's baked manna, fried manna, steamed manna, sautéed manna, chopped manna, sliced manna, everything manna. I'm like, come on, you know, where? give me the meat. I need the meat. The Bible records this very clearly. They started to crave for something that they really wanted and they did not have. It became entitlement, you see that? It, came, it became covetousness. It became a craving that was scary, man. So you be careful with your cravings. Then they complained. They got upset. And the Bible says that God gave them quail. God actually said, okay, fine. You want quail? I'll give you quail. So much quail until you cannot take it. So in Psalm 105, verse 40, the people asked, and he brought quail. Satisfied them with the bread of heaven. But in the very next Psalm, it says, and he gave them their request. Psalm 106, verse 15. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Now, when I learned this, I realized you be very careful what you ask for. You be very careful what you ask for. Because the quails that we receive can kill us if we don't know how to handle it. If you receive quail more than manna, be thankful. But if you don't have quail but only manna, still be thankful. But if you're only asking for quail and asking for quail and asking for quail, your heart is going to go sour. There will be leanness in your soul. It's not good for you. But you want it? I will give you what you ask. I think this principle is playing out even in many lives and in many nations these days. And there's a, one line saying, we get the leader we deserve. So whether is it Trump or Hillary Clinton now or anywhere else, sometimes God sends that leader and allows that leader because you deserve it. Literally, you ask for it. So beware of our complaints. Beware of our cravings. That's why Jesus said, just pray. Give us this day our daily bread. That's it. Leave God to give you the bonus. Leave God to give you the quails. The cheesecakes will come. If you want a chocolate donut, God knows how to just indulge you for that. But you know that if you have chocolate donuts every day, you will die. Trust God. He knows best. See, we tend to look at what we don't have rather than what we have. Covetousness is looking at 
what others have and we want it. Discontentment is looking at what we have and want more. Either we also got a problem. We're never satisfied. And in a consumeristic culture, big problem, big issue. Even in churches and ministry, we also have a problem, right? I can, if I was a church leader, it's easy to look at another church with more members and say, oh, I want those members. I want to have that same success. Not necessarily correct. And I suggest to you again that we are covetous and we are never contented because we have not dealt with this one first issue. Our sufficiency is not in God. Our sufficiency is not in Christ. We can sing the song that Jesus, you're my all in all, but really, if we are honest, He is not our all in all. Our sufficiency, our satisfaction is not Christ. And that's why we look at so many other things to, to fill that satisfaction. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Which word was mentioned first? Godliness with contentment. See, if we will concentrate and focus on aligning ourselves with the Lord, that we can become godly in our thinking and our understanding, our perspective, then contentment would flow out of that. And that's great gain. That would be great gain. Finally, we look at these two words, us and our. You notice it's not give me this day my daily bread. It's give us this day our daily bread. And these words indicate to us kingdom community, an expectation of stewardship, generosity in the community and within amongst the people of God. The Lord's Prayer has always been referred to as a communal prayer, a congregational prayer, so that it's all of us praying it together in one voice saying, give us this day our daily bread. Now, so far, we've been looking at our own personal lives because, you know, it's good to personalize it to understand what it means for me and myself at this point in time. But let's not miss this picture. Because if I have and if you don't have, something is not balanced in God's equation. We're missing something in God's heartbeat. As I was looking at this one line about community, stewardship, and generosity, you know, and seeing how you know, we should be seeing this congregationally and a people of God. One line came to mind, uh, quoted by a very wise uh, woman. And she said, Life's not fair, get used to it. Have you heard this line before? Life's not fair, get used to it. it it's not um, original, you know, it probably uh, comes in different forms, but this lady is so wise. And she's none other than my dear wife. Because with seven children, it's very probable and very possible that every once in a while you will hear one child going, but that's not fair. But that's not fair. And Serene very quickly will say, well, life's not fair. You better get used to it. And we can laugh at this, but is it not true that if you look around the world, 
there is an uneven distribution of wealth. Totally uneven. You can do as much as you want now because of the fallenness of humanity, because of the greed of, of men. One nation is pigging themselves to death. Another nation is starving to death. Both are dying, but it's uneven. Do you realize there's also uneven distribution in the church? Because we are not administering this gift and stewarding it correctly. We see at different levels, whether locally, in the church, nationally, regionally, everywhere. But if you look at God's kingdom economy, God's perfect design and His plan, if we would follow His ways, there will be enough. There will be enough. Don't, don't buy into the theory that there's not enough food in this world. That there's not enough land in this world. And that's why we shouldn't have children. It's not real, you understand? Because we are not living according to God's ways. See, in his principle, Paul even wrote this to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 13 to 15. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. But by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, and that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, he who gathered little had no lack. Now Paul was quoting from the passage which we studied just now, Exodus chapter 16. God gave manna to say, look, according to your household, this is what you will gather, much. Now, if your household is smaller, then you gather less. But there will be no lack. It will always be enough. That's God's economy. So Paul brings this principle out to say, look, at this point in time, people of God here, you have abundance. But on this side, you have lack. So by equality... Share with them. That's community, right? There may be a time where you will have abundance. And then you, on the other hand, will have lack. People of God, share with them. So that no one will be in lack. We see this in the church in Acts. When the Holy Spirit fell upon them, it says that they shared all things in common and no one who had need was in lack at all. There was not a need that was not met. And that really is the jubilee principle. If we would really check our hearts, how far have we strayed from that understanding? Looking at the challenges that we have within the church and even within communities. Without even talking about cross-cultural into other countries yet. There should be an equality according to the principle of God. And that is where we have to ask ourselves, as we receive a provision, a daily need, of course we can say, wait, hang on, but that's a daily need. Well, I will need it for myself. Now that was in the wilderness. 
but God can give bonuses to some of us. And according to each other's abilities or talents or uh, resources and opportunities, some will have more and some will have less. Yes? There's a seeming inequality, but in it, God tests our heart. That will the one with abundance help the one who has lack? So what do you do with our bonuses? What do we do with the blessings that, that come our way? Praise the Lord. It's not a round-the-world cruise first. Those are what I call fringe benefits that we, are, that we enjoy along the way. The first question is, Lord, you blessed me with something? What do you want me to do with this? That's the first question we've got to... It's almost like a second nature thing. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. Now what do I do with this? It's not, thank you, Lord. Let's go spend it on this right now. The first thing you ask is, Lord, what do I do with this? Because God, in that provision, and that's what that word means. Provision means to see forward. He already knows that someone needs this somewhere. He's looking for a faithful man or a faithful woman to steward it and to disperse it. Would you allow God to use you as a channel of His promise and His blessing? Will you learn how to invest this in a kingdom purpose? And I think that is what it means when we say, Lord, give me then provision for the mission. You can read it two ways. One is, Lord, I'm on a mission. Send that provision as I do this. The other way we look at it is like, oh, suddenly I have an excess of provision. Then what is this mission now you're giving it to me? Right? There has to be some need somewhere. Once we develop that kingdom mindset and the kingdom mentality, wow, you are faithful in little. Do you think God will make you faithful over much? The king will look and say, well, this one knows how to steward. Well, this is a good manager. This one knows how to hold it loosely so that it doesn't bottleneck in your bank account. You're not hoarding the resources of God, but you are releasing this to the people around you. And you and I know that there is nothing wrong with being rich. God is never against anyone who is rich or who is wealthy, right? But Paul even wrote to Timothy to say, look, can you tell the rich? It's fine, but don't put your trust in the riches. But let the rich be a blessing and help those who are poor and who need also. See, the kingdom mindset needs to, to have this as a second nature. A heart that is tender before God because God will push those buttons and, and sort of uh, tell you who needs help and when and how. That's a kingdom principle all the time. You see, our hearts and our mindsets also need to to, to be tweaked by the Holy Spirit. Because many of us, we have a tendency to regard ourselves not as rich. In fact, when I say, the rich must help, I say, oh yeah, I can think of someone else who is rich. You're right? We're always thinking of someone else who is rich. Oh, but me? Oh no, I'm not as rich. Lah. I tell you, that's a problem for us. Because we look at ourselves as poor. We look at ourselves as if we never have enough. Or we better squirrel it for a rainy day. Now, nothing wrong with saving. Nothing wrong with being responsible. We're just saying, if you want to understand how to use provision for the mission, 
then let your heart be pliable. Hear what God is saying. Open your heart and your wallet and your bank account to those who have need. Sometimes we can also have a wrong mentality to think, oh, but I work hard, you know. This is due to my hard work, you know. But you look at those people, I don't have one. Uh, no wonder they, they deserve it. Uh. Right? Uh? Paul says, well, let him never work, uh, don't, let him don't eat. Uh. Without understanding. Now, there are some people who just need that lesson. That's true. They've made mistakes, there are consequences, and they're going through that. That's fine. They need to learn that lesson. But there are others who have genuine needs. We can't tar everyone with that same brush stroke. Or sometimes we're unwilling to give because, but I know I got this, but if I give, then I don't know when it's going to come again. I trust you, like God, but, but you know, you're, you're quite erratic, you know, you don't really tell me when it's coming. You see that? And we, we struggle with that. All of us do. I do sometimes also. I have these thoughts that come into my mind. And after a while, we realize we trust what we have more than we trust in God. It's so subtle, friends. And really, we are all subject to that if we would allow the Holy Spirit to help us. But you see, if we are awakened to a kingdom principle and we are aligned to the heartbeat of God, you realize all through the Old Testament, all through the Beatitudes that we read, the Makarios statements that Jesus gave, Jesus was always looking out. The king was always looking out for the marginalized, for the poor, for the down and out. Help them. Help them. Help them. This is the kingdom heart, you see. And God always reminds Israel, can you remember you were once slaves? Can you remember you had nothing? Can you remember you were treated like that? And then when they got into the land, they treated everyone else the same way. See, friends, we need to also recover that. Do you realize that we were once lost, but we are now found? We sang amazing grace. How sweet the sound. I, we, a wretch like me. And today, as we come into the blessings of God, we look at others and we say, oh, you wretch. I mean, we don't, we don't say that word, right? But sometimes we look at them with disdain. Oh, you deserve it, huh? Like as if I, I didn't deserve it, right? May the Lord just speak to us. And we keep thinking, oh no, we, we need to have enough provision before I can go on a mission. I need to earn enough before I, before I can do this. Do you realize, as I've been sharing with you, how many assignments are inside here? Do, do you realize that these assignments are waiting for you and I to pick it up, to say, this is mine, Lord. But no, many of us again will say, <laughs> No, no, let, let me get my first million first. You know. Let me retire first. Let me have enough first. Then I will do this. And God says, no, no, that, that's the other way around. If you will move that way, if you move with my mission and my assignment with whatever you have, don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you have now. I can do so much in you. I can do so much through you. I can do so much for you. And we become a kingdom channel. We become a kingdom soldier. And we move on a kingdom assignment. I confess to you, sometimes I, more and often now in this last two and a half years, talking about this kingdom assignment sometimes gets me irritated. 
because I know the people are all well-intentioned. But when they keep coming to me, so what's my assignment? What's my assignment? When I, when I go through the similar amount more and more, I realize the assignments are all there. But we're, we're, we're waiting for some, you know, go and evangelize Russia, go to Timbuktu, go to the darkest Africa. Well, God bless you if you have that assignment. And we will pray for you. But I think there's just so many things inside here. If we, if we do come for Kingdom 101 here at Kingdom Foundation and yet not be stirred in our hearts and say, Lord, will you awaken us here? Who are we to go out there to shout awakening? So if you're praying for an assignment, maybe there's an answer this evening. And you say, but you mean assignment, just give only finish in three seconds. Yalla, then pray for the next one. Huh? It's as straightforward as that, friends. And you just be faithful from one assignment to another assignment to another assignment. And this is what our Keeper's Awakening is all about. Don't be so super spiritual. Our King is very practical. He loves all of us. And He wants us to be a part of this. And so as we close, one line. Give us this day our daily bread. I want you to see the context of this one line in the scheme of God's larger picture. It's not just about us. I want you to have it so settled in your hearts that God loves you. God already knows. He cares for you. He will provide for you. You will have it. I want you to be so convinced about that because we have a loving Father and we have a great God. And he invites us on this journey and he says, participate in this assignment with me because there are others who still need to know I'm that good God. And so I give you permission that as you pray, it's okay to ask God to give, but have a right perspective. Be faithful in your assignments. Focus on the mission because I stand again, I, like I tell you, as a living testimony that a worker is truly worthy of his wages. Do you know that in a slave language, a slave who works for the master, if he marries a female slave, then there are a couple, then this master is duty-bound to look after this couple. And in the household, when they have one child, the master is duty-bound to look after the child of these two slaves or his servants. And he, they should continue to have seven children. This master will also look after the couple and the seven children because they are faithful and the master is a good master. We are born servants of Christ. Amen. Do we have a good master? We do. You've got the best boss, you know that. You don't have to worry. You don't need to complain to MOM one. It's okay to ask God to give. But check the posture of your heart. It's not an entitlement mentality. Okay, be careful with the faith claims, you know. This is my God, is I claim it and I receive. Uh, I used to do that, okay. I've, I, I, I've, I've changed my view these days. He's my God. I claim nothing. But He gives me all that He wants to give me. Secondly, trust God daily. Day by day. Day by day. Be content. Live simply. 
honestly, we go into each other's house, I think sometimes maybe we should have permission to do that and laugh at one another. He said, oh, you're a hoarder too, me too. Like. <laughs> ah, you mean you've got so many things that you use? Ah? Huh? Walk into a walk-in walk, walk wardrobe and say, I don't know what to wear. You know, we, let's be honest, we, we do have a lot of things in a materialistic uh, sense in our world. Be content. Live simply. Don't worry about the next day, one day at a time. Seek first His kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And finally, understand stewardship. Stewardship. If you know how to use the resources God gives you, you can be assured God will give you more because He trusts you with what He has. So I want you to be blessed. I want you to know this, that we serve an awesome God. Let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you, Lord. You are a good God. You are Abba Father. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. And Lord, sometimes with all these titles, Lord, show us and teach us how to hold these in tension, oh God, so that we don't move to an extreme and, and fall off, you know, some weird edge. Lord, hold us steady, Lord in your presence and in your love. And thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you've given to us by your grace. And I know sometimes we still are concerned and we still doubt and we are still uncertain. Lord, I pray, will you remove those fears? Help us to fix our eyes upon you and to trust you fully. Lord, if there's any person here this evening or listening in, that they really need finance or they really need provision. Lord, supply. Supply, Lord, because you have more than enough for everyone. And Lord, if we are here and we are ready to be channels, Lord, of your blessings, to receive an assignment, then this, this moment even, will you drop into our heart someone who needs a fund or someone who needs something, Lord, a name, a picture, a face, and Lord, give us grace that we can then have that, that strength to obey and to move that one step to open our revelation to know you even more, that you are a great God and you are a faithful God. Thank you, Lord, that as we move on mission, you will always provide the provision. And we love you, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.